I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Now, if you haven't checked out the Golf Clearance Outlet, then you, I can guarantee you this, are missing out. And if you have, well, you know what we're talking about. Great time to drop in because with all the new equipment released in January, Good old Sam at the Golf Clearance Outlet is licking his lips because the stores are chock full of 2023 branded clearance product. And you know that was a hell of a year for golf equipment, Nick. You're spot on there, Mark. There's heaps of gear for righties, of course. But as you know, I am a lefty, so there's a heap of gear for lefties Mm. as well. And plenty for both men and women. And... If you're after a great Prezi idea, you can get gift cards in-store or online. So if you're looking for great golf gear and great prices, the Golf Clearance Outlet needs to be in your plans to go and check it out. See the team in-store at Melbourne, Sydney, Brisbane and Perth or online golfclearanceoutlet.com.au. It's that simple, Nick. Can't wait. Hang on, hang on, Nick. I thought you were righty putting now. Oh, that's right. I forgot. (laughs) It's week nine of the golfing calendar. And from the Australian Golf Centre, home of the PGA of Australia and Golf Australia, a couple of tour pros talking about the weekend golf. Now, here's Nick Allen and Mark O'Hearn. What the hell? Who proofreads this stuff? I'm a professional voiceover. I can't work like this. Is that the right one? Good. I've had time. Okay. Let's try it again. Now, here's Nick O'Hearn and Mark Allen on golf's hottest new podcast, Talk Birdie to Me. What sort of loser pick is that? All I'm drinking is juice. Are we ready to go? For five days. I sound like that. A bit of soup and chia seed. It's called Sun Glow. (laughs) Capsicum, carrot, ginger, celery and lemon. Uh, wow. I'm just. I'm doing. Are you a, I'm doing a vegan a, as well? I'm doing a reset of the body because I need it badly. Hey, look, just so you know, this is a golf podcast. Uh, if you wouldn't mind, can we get moving <laughs> at some stage? Carl, uh. no, seriously, we, we got a lot to get through today because what we saw at the Honda was ridiculous. Uh, Liv was pretty good, to tell you the truth. I mean, it held my attention, and and seeing Charles Howe. A third. Thurston. What do you call him? The Sticks. You heard he say before? Well, there's Thurston Howell or there's, uh, you know, Gilligan's Island or there's Chucky Three Sticks. Yeah, Chucky Three Sticks. I like Chucky Three (laughs) Sticks. Chucky Three Sticks, what did he shoot at on the last day? He did. That's strong. Um, And also uh, at uh, TPS Hunter Valley, we saw one of the greatest ever brain explosions (laughs) on a golf course. How he made a bogey is still ridiculous. And I want to talk through... Everything that he did at that stage yeah. and uh, also on the back of Lincoln Tie um, and that magnificent bogey on the 12th hole, uh, today's top five is my top five brain explosions. <laughs> Are you in a, this? By, by a golfer. Oh, you could be in this. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll get to that uh, very, very soon. A former alcoholic 
in the playoff, stiffs, I'm going to say, a three-quarter wedge to six inches for the win. It was compelling viewing, Nick. Mm, it was majestic. I it mean, that, was. that shot in was one of the great wedges, I think, because that is such a hard wedge shot anyway, The where that 18th hole is, the, the national, mm. no, what is it called, um, PGA National. Yeah, that's it. It's got the bear trap, as we know, the last four holes. And I've played that tournament before. It actually sets up pretty well, that bear trap, for a left-hander. The right-hander yeah. and these guys, funnily enough, the two guys who were, you know, neck and neck, uh, Eric Cole and Chris Kirk. Eric Cole is a minor tour legend yeah. in the States. He's And, won and Bobby Cole's son. Bobby Cole's who son. Who won and nine Laura, times around the world or something. Won on the PGA Tour and... South African guy. Laura yeah. Bohr, who played on the LPGA Tour. I think that's how you say it, Laura Bohr. Oh, that, that's Bauer. the mum. That's the mum. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. Very good pedigree. Oh, wow. Obviously. She was out there following. I saw that. And uh, Bobby was back in Orlando, I believe. He didn't want to upset the apple cart as far as, you know, his... Uh, his routine. That. I do that with you my kids. Put too much pressure. <laughs> yeah, I, I stay away. I think I put pressure on I'm them. I'm sure you do. But uh, but anyway, the closing stages was fascinating viewing. I mean, they both have a right to left ball flight, yeah. so big draws. And on 17 and 18, that's not the ball flight you yeah. want. I mean, for them to hit the green, both of them hit the green on 17 was unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, like starting it out over that water was crazy. And then on 18, Kirk had the tournament basically not in his hands. We had a one-shot lead and hits the hybrid. Hits the rocks before the green because yeah. he blocked it, and it, God, it would have been funny. You, it bounces all the way back, and it almost, the car. it almost hits the car. <laughs> how good would it have been if it hit the car? Oh, that um, would have been brilliant. The commentators now—I don't know who it was, but they did, they did a great job. I think I don't think it, was it Azinger. Azinger mm. reckons that he was aiming that way. I, I I don't reckon he was. Well, he hits the big slingy draws anyway, so he had to aim, you know, a further right than what most people would. I think he wanted his ball to land. On that left fat part of the he green. Was, yeah, he, in, in his post-round interview, he said, I wanted to stay aggressive and hit on the left half of the green. That's so right. To, so to do that, he's got to start it right. And he, he did, but unfortunately he blocked it. He knew it as soon as he hit it. I don't think he got all of it. How good is ball tracker in these pressure situations when there is water everywhere? And Cole, I heard him a couple of times, he's going to hold it off, hold it up, hold it mm. up. He wouldn't hold anything up. He'll still start right and coming back. It's a five-yard draw, his fate. <laughs> his fate is a five-yard draw. <laughs> I know a few people like that. Yeah, for sure. But, you know, it was it was impressive stuff from Kirk. I mean, the demons he's had to battle. Last win was like 2015, the Colonial Tournament. He's a, an amazing fella, you know, just a real laconic kind of guy. He never says too much, but obviously has some serious demons, you know, off the golf course for a number of years. It's all been very well documented over there. Yeah. It started, I believe, with the anxiety of playing professional golf at the highest level. And when you start missing cuts, you go back to the hotel room. If you're anxious and that, well, well there's the minibar. I mean, yeah. And that's kind of how it all started for him, I believe. And obviously the alcoholism uh, followed that, the depression. Yeah. And now I heard uh, he rents a house rather than has a hotel each week. And he rented a house with Seb Stracker, who also won the tournament last year. So that rental house is two oh. for two. That's pretty <laughs> impressive. Really they should go back to that house every year, I think. That, that is very good. Hey, um... Just to, just on the drink, and I know you're you're a wine drinker, but you're not an alcoholic <laughs> or anything, Nick. As far as I know, um, I, I, I liked to party when I was younger, but I never ever ever drank during a tournament. Really? Ever. Okay. Never. I would never have a couple of beers before the second round, say, or before the final round. I would never do it. Did you? Did were you able to have a you know a glass of wine or a couple of glasses of wine? You know, you'd made the cut. You've got an early tea time the mm. next day. You go out and have some sushi for dinner or a steak. Would you have a red? The, yeah, I would. Yeah, the early tea time, not so much. If I knew I was off a little later, 
a glass. It's yeah. always fine. It just helps relax you. And, yeah. I, and I never found it really interfered with my golf. The morning of, I never had a coffee because I found, oh, that's not good for the putting. The old jitter, jittery oh, nerves yeah, come along. Bad. So I, really, I stayed away from the caffeine. However, I did, did fancy the odd glass of red, so it's not too bad. But, uh, you know, one of the things that really impressed me about Kirk was also that he skipped the week before the Genesis Invitational. That's a designated or elevated event, whatever they call yeah. it now, $20 million. 20 million US. He skipped it because Why? his game didn't suit the course. He hits these slingy draws, and on that course, you've got to hit a lot of fades and firm greens. It's not going to work. Yeah. So he backed himself to miss that event and go to the Honda, and, and he wins. It's what unbelievable. What do you make? A couple of mil? Probably something couple like that. A couple of mil US? Yeah. Um, it was just very, very impressive. So uh, life-changing almost. The other thing it's life-changing mm. for is a guy who finished in fourth position, a guy called Ryan Gerard. Monday qualified on the number, got in, finished fourth. Yeah, that was that was incredible. That? Yeah. So how much money was that? That was that that like fourth place money is about five hundred thousand. Yeah, I think he won about four twenty. And he's a Monday qualifier. And he's now into Puerto Rico, which is this yeah. week. But it sits opposite Bay Hill because they have a elevated event again, Bay Hill, and they've got Puerto Rico on at the same time. Hey, while while we're talking about money, um, this week we're doing something very different on Talk Birdie to me. We're actually getting Wade Ormsby on and mm. it's going to be a little bit of bonus content. Uh, we're going to ask him about Liv. We floated it last week. You know, I, I want to know how much money he made. <laughs> a lot. Because there was a team's event last year where he either won, he was the fourth man in the team, mm. whether he either won or came second. And I don't know how much, but I just want to ask him, yeah. how much cash did you make in that team's event when you, it was either a winner or a second anyway. And so, just remember it'll be in US dollars. Which is even more. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the, the reason we're getting weighed on, by the way, is because he's well, he's a fringe player on Liv. It's pretty simple. I mean, he's 42 years old. He's won once in Europe. He's won three times in Asia. He's a very good player. No one's ever said a bad word about Wade Ormsby. He's a bit like you. No one's ever said a bad word about you either, Nick, which is remarkable. <laughs> once, <laughs> once you get to know somebody, yeah. there's You don't know me well enough. <laughs> <laughs> so, I've heard plenty um, of bad words about you, so that's okay. Yeah, I know. There's, there's stacks. <laughs> <laughs> so, well... I'm really keen to talk to Wade about what it is like being a fringe player. We all know what it would be like being a star on Live, but I want to know more about what's, mm. you know, fringe and uh, what's the story is. And, well, was it third alternate in Mexico last week or something? Yeah, my Cobra, I believe. So, yeah, oh, we'll find out. That Live tournament mm. that we're talking about, what do you call him? Chucky Three Sticks? Chucky Three Sticks, Chucky yeah. Three Sticks shooting eight under on the last day. <sighs> he's, he's teaching... A lot of the tool players at the moment, I Is believe. He really? Yeah, a lot of a lot of the he's got a lot of players that he will look at their golf swing um, and, and, and try and help them. I mean, that he, does not surprise me because I lived about a seven iron away from Chucky Three Six from Charles. Yeah, in uh, Isleworth, that golfing estate. Yeah. And he is a range maniac. I mean, he just loves being on the range, loves working on his golf swing. I remember talking to him one year uh, between you know, the off-season and the start of the new season. I said, how long do you put the clubs away for? And he says, six days. And then I started getting the shakes. So he just loves to yeah. hit golf balls. And funnily enough, I mean, he's most known for his ball striking, obviously. He's just a machine from tee to green. One year, he got injured and the only thing he could practice was his chipping and putting. Right. And people have always said, well, if you work more on your short game, you know, I think you'll possibly take out some of these events because he's had like 98 top 10s in his career, which is insane, obviously. Won over 42 million on the PGA Tour. So he'd been an amazing mm. golfer. So he couldn't do anything but chip and putt for about a few weeks leading into the tournament. First tournament out, he loses in a playoff. Yeah. But then after the week after, I think he went straight back to the range and started hitting a lot of balls again. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, well, he shot 197 in three rounds. I mean, yeah. he broke 203 rounds Oof. on tour-style uh, 
courses. Pretty impressive. Peter Uline came second. He, he beat Uline by four. Mm. Brandon Grace shot 10 on the par. Uh, and then you see Cameron Smith. Cameron Smith played pretty well. Tied, tied fifth. fifth, yeah. Yeah, the Ripper team, unfortunately, they missed the team money by one stroke, I believe. Okay. Now, I'm only reading these out because it's noticeable. Mm, no, I, know, I know what you're coming to. No other reason. I think. Okay, no other reason. Dustin Johnson. There you go. Plus four. You know what he shot in the last round? Eight over. He shot eight over. No, he didn't. He shot, seven he shot 78, sorry. 78. To finish eight That's over. Right. That's his worst finish. Patrick Reed shot five over for the week. Uh, finished tied 38th. Lee Westwood tied 41. Eight over. In three rounds. Louis Oosthuizen, eight over in three rounds. What does that tell you? Wiesberger, 11 over in three rounds. I don't know. His, Kepka's brother, 15 over. Mm. Yeah, some high scores up there. It kind of tells What's me with some of these better players, the off-season, instead of working as hard as possibly they normally do, maybe they haven't been practising as much. I don't know that, obviously. Well, no one knows. No one knows. That's what it looks like. He's still on holiday mode, I guess. And Thomas got, Peters, plus two. Mm. These guys, the names I'm reading out, they don't shoot over par at a golf course like like this. I mean, I know it's pretty tough. It, but it, it was a tight course. No, it was. I know. And Jed Morgan, unfortunately, he replaced Wade. Plus he 10. Uh, was plus 10, yeah. So he plus didn't get 10. off to his best start. So, so it's a tough one. I see those scores. I scratch my head. Maybe it was a tough course. Yeah. I don't know. But you know what? The Crushers won the team event. So <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. Can Wade. we talk about... Uh, TPS, oh, Hunter yes. Valley, please. Absolutely. Well done, the Brett Coletta. Mm. What a round that was, nine under. Uh, he could have got another eight in eight in, as well, right, because he finished three hours, 40 minutes before the last group. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's inc- it, it is incredible. I mean, we, there were pictures of him on the telly basically falling asleep on one of the couches in the clubhouse. Um, so well on the Brett. Um, a little bit of information on him. Went to the Corn Ferry Tour. I think he missed about, what, something like 10 cuts in a row over there? 11 or something. in a row at one well, stage. 11, 11. Almost got his card, though, one year. Yeah. Um, came through. He, he made the cut at the Memorial. Uh, so he did that when he was an amateur golfer. It's amazing, isn't it? You see some of these kids come through in Australia and they have so much talent. And I have no doubt whatsoever. If a player, and I'm not going to go through, there's a long list of players who were stars in this country, went north and didn't quite crack it. I, I think it's got a lot to do with money pressure, personally. If Brett Coletta was an American kid, let's say he came out of Oklahoma, he'd be playing on the US tour right now. I really, I, I really believe that. I just think the jump for so many of our youngsters when they go from Australia with, let's say, $50,000 Australian in their back pocket and they go overseas and that $50,000, let's call them pesos, <laughs> right, lasts two months, three months if they've got five tournaments to play. I, I just think the money pressure and not playing in your own backyard is so big for so many of our young amateur players who deservedly – what should be on the DP World Tour or playing very well in America somewhere. It's like it's the transition, which is the toughest to, to break through. We saw that with Ryan Ruffles is a great yep. example. Uh, went up to the US uh, at a young age and got the starts on the PGA Tour yep. and he was next meant to be the next greatest thing, yep. obviously. Yep. And if you don't do it early at a young age, your confidence can get Entered, and then yep. all of a sudden, that's a very tough climb to come back to. Curtis Luck is another yep. one who's been over there. US Amateur Champion, 
Uh, he's been playing the secondary tours yep. for a while now. You would think with his game, he should be right up there as well. I'm going to ask you a personal question. Did you ever have money, financial pressure, when you were a professional golfer? All the time. All, All the time, time, especially early on. Yeah. Um, you know, we mortgaged our house to go over and play mini tours in the US. Yeah. Uh, fortunately, I won the last event and, yeah. and uh, paid for everything, which was great. But that's professional golf. I didn't know that about you. And I now know why you were successful because you backed yourself in. You had a sense of adventure and you took a risk. But for a lot of these kids, they can't do that. Mm. They actually can't mortgage their house. If they don't make cuts early or if they go over and play these mini tours, I'm telling you, I've been over there, you don't understand how strong these mini tours are. In many respects, they are playing better golf on the mini tours than they are on the PGA Tour. You would think that is a ridiculous thing to say, but I promise you, Nick, and you you can back me up. I've been there. The golf on the mini tours are... It's off the charts how good it is. Yeah. R- well, ridiculous. I went over there in the late 90s to, on this trip to go play mini tours, get some experience, mm. and the, the swings weren't great, but they know how to get the ball in the hole. That's right. And that's the key. Here in Australia, guys have got great swings because yeah. they're taught very well. We come through the programs and all that. In the US, it's all about getting the ball in the hole. That's right. And at the time, I didn't want to go that route because my game wasn't ready to compete with those guys, so I went the other way, went through Europe and uh, kind of then circled back and mm. got into the top 50 in the world and then eventually ended up in Europe and it worked out quite nicely. Yeah, yeah. So these kids who go over there, they lose their confidence on the mini tour because they think they should be absolutely braining it and then – you know, they don't understand that these guys in the mini tour with the weird swings mm. and wearing two gloves and doing all <laughs> kinds of crazy stuff that you've never seen before in your life, that golf doesn't translate to the big tournaments and the big courses that you were playing week in, week out. It just doesn't translate. And they just they just can't make the cuts. It's as simple as that. The money pressure's too much. So our guys, they go over, they get a taste in the mini tours, they don't get it. They come home, they might have a poor season in Australia. Because, you know, there's only, what is there, three or four tournaments with some big money, decent money. If they fall $50,000 behind, the money pressure is immense. Now, Mm. just so you know, I I got off to a good start when I turned professional. When I was 22, 23, I had $250,000 in my bank account. I just couldn't, I I couldn't believe it. Wow, that's impressive. So that was from money and that's from sponsorship and stuff. I started changing my swing. And I'm only just getting the hang of those swing changes today, Nick. <laughs> but that, that, that doesn't matter. But that, that, the $250,000 that I had in the bank, that turned into a recurring uh, situation where I owed my two biggest sponsors, Mr. MasterCard and Mr. Visa, <laughs> I owed them $25,000 each for most of my secondary career when, when I started playing poorly. And really poorly. And when you're trying to hold a four or five foot putt to make a cut. There's a whole different – there's a whole different – thing going on in your head. So at least I was 25, 26 going through that. There's a lot of these kids who leave Australia for the first time at 20 and they figured I went to America as well. So I, I kind of had a network over there of friends and places to stay. Some of these kids who go over there at 2021 20, and expect miracles to happen and they're going to be flying in the jets real soon <laughs> with, the, you know, with all the big boys, unless you get off to a good start, you've got money pressure waiting to happen. Now, I, I know Golf Australia are doing an amazing job and, and they are. that They give some of our best players money and they really try and help them, which is magnificent. But the simple fact is <laughs> if they don't make cuts, if they don't start playing really well early, that money fizzes away. Like I said, it's not 50000 Australian dollars. 
in the Northern Hemisphere, it's 50,000 pesos basically yeah. and it doesn't last long enough. No, you're spot on and, and that's where as a young professional, I can tell you this, be nice to your pro-am partners yes. because you never know where that's going to lead. <laughs> a lot of my sponsors early on, that's where they came from. Same with me. Yeah. Uh, one of my big sponsors was Schweppes. Yeah. And they, I wore a Schweppes hat for 12 of the 15 years that I was on tour and they looked after me really well. I was part of their family in the end. So, guy, you, you just don't know who you're going to play you with. Never know. Be nice to everybody. Give everyone a lesson. A try and help here. their golf. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, Very good. We got stacks to get through. We got the top five, my top five. Your top five. Brain explosions by golfers. We've also got the masterclass. Are we going to talk a bit about Lincoln Tie? And we're going to talk about Lincoln Tie. Okay. Uh, after we hit our tee shots on the 10th. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Mark. Mm -hmm. I've been saying for years that Ping help you play your best because that is exactly what they've done for me throughout my entire career. And now I've been having a look at the new Blueprint S and T irons and boy, they are impressive. So much so that I've got the new Blueprint S irons in my bag at the moment. So what do you like about them so much? I mean, I've never seen you this excited about a golf club. Well, I could go through the specs, which are exceptional, but I won't. I will say, though, that if you're looking for more ball speed and if you want to lower your scores, if you want to mix and match and still look great, you should check them out because the new Blueprint S and T irons, they are definitely worth a look. Nice. Just book in with your local golf shop or professional to arrange a ping club fitting. Mark, you are all across Watch My Numbers. You are all over this like a rash. It does look pretty impressive. Look, one of the things I missed from my career that Nick enjoyed was having stats available. I never got it except, of course, for Sand Saves where I was number one. But I never got the look at how close I was hitting the five irons, where my miss was with my driver. I never got it, and it was always just in my head. I didn't actually know the facts. And with Watch My Numbers, it's no longer a feel thing. It is a factual guide to what you are doing in the game. And Nick, Mm. you knew how powerful that was playing in the US Tour. Yeah, we had what was called ShotLink over there, but I wish I'd have had this sort of an app for myself because weirdly, I was very much a field player and I kind of stayed away from the statistics. But looking back, if I'd have had this, who knows? So it's got the pro level, it's got the elite level, it's got the low handicapper, the high handicapper. It covers everybody and your stats will be assessed at your level and you'll be pushed into the right direction because of the Watch My Numbers app. It's a beauty, folks, and I highly, highly recommend it. I was on it the other day, and uh, subscribers get extra bonus content, including videos from you, Mark, doing some stuff as well. (laughs) Why are you laughing, man? (laughs) Why are you laughing? Hey, by the way, do you do it during or the round or after? Either way. Oh, really? Yeah, you can do it right there and then, or you finish your round and you put your own data in. So you might have had a 150-metre 7-iron on the third hole at Metropolitan Golf Club. Put where you hit it from, you mark where it went to, and then you've got the real-time data at your fingertips 
any time you want from that point forward. Watch My Numbers helps you master your game and play smarter by using data. From the Australian Golf Centre, this is Talk Birdie to Me with Nick O'Hearn and Mark Allen. Hey, uh, before we hit these uh, tee shots down 10, <laughs> how on earth did you convince Alana to mortgage your house <laughs> so you could go and play golf in America? Oh, I was very convincing. It was a mighty <laughs> effort. Oh, 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 mate. No. That's a mighty effort. Well, no, she was very understanding. And uh, the beautiful thing about my wife is, you know, we've always been a team. She caddied for me early on and she knew and had that, you know, yeah. she, she knew I had that look in my eye that I wanted to do this. And, uh, Mate. Unfortunately enough, I convinced her. It's not like you were trying to get a product into Walmart or something. <laughs> <laughs> you were going over to play golf and you've convinced uh, Alana. She's a legend. I need to talk to Alana at yes, some stage about shall. that decision. Okay. Uh, about that decision. Speaking of uh, interesting decisions and, and all go. that, you, you made an interesting decision to tweet this out and it's, it's caused quite a bit of stir on uh, on Twitter. This oh, is one of your tweets. Stuff, yeah. Here we, yeah, the, the pennant goals. So I want to read this out. This is what you said. I absolutely hate that pros play pennant. They shouldn't want to. It is a competition for amateur players. The addition of pros has added zero to the competition. Zero. And it keeps your and it keeps young players from senior pennant. I was staggered when introduced, and I still shake my head. Yeah, I, I don't shy away from that. I think uh, it's this. Uh, what's happened to pennant golf and professionals taking young players' spots, even for one week? I just can't stand it. I hate it. Have you been asked to play for your club? Yeah, I have. Uh, mm-hmm. Early days, but I made it clear three years in a row <laughs> that I am not playing. I've been at Kingston East for six or seven years, and that's up to them. I don't, if, if there are pros who want to play, that's up to you. Yeah. But I, I know the backstory of it. Yeah, once upon a time, there were home and away matches. That got in the way of too many Saturday or Sunday uh, members missing out and playing golf. So they made it uh, every team in Division 1 or Division 2, they host one week of uh, of Pennant. Mm. Uh, when they did that, nobody watched Pennant. So I'll give you an example. In Pennant 1, uh, Division 1 final, uh, Huntingdale, who I used to play with, it was myself and Richie Green. Uh, we were 1 and 2, um, and we played Yarra Yarra. Their 1 and 2 was Robert Ellenby and uh, Stuart Appleby. Appleby, yep. There were 5,000 people at Cranbourne watching that final. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was huge. It was in the papers. It was everywhere. Can I ask the, whether you won? Yeah, Huntingdale smashed it. Yeah, so. <laughs> of course they did. <laughs> but uh, once they started going to a different format, people stopped going. Yeah. Because instead of playing golf, you would go and watch the pennant. What they thought would happen if professionals played, they thought Ogilvy might play or they thought Nick O'Hearn would play. Well, they thought, you know, whoever might play and that would drum up interest again. So I'm all for the experiment in all these things. In all walks of life, mm. if you want to try something, then I'm up for it. Let's try it and see if it helps. But the second we know that not 500 people came and not 50 people came, but five extra people turn up to watch a few plays play yep. and we exclude the juniors, once we understand that that is the pattern in the last six years of it happening, then let's call off the experiment and let's go back to rewarding the kids who are practising and are prepared to play every single week for their club and the honour of playing for their club in Division 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, whatever it might be. So I really hate the fact. Mm. Well, you, I, have they, uh, that you're, you've joined Woodlands. When, now, I, when I first moved back 
to uh, Melbourne or to Australia up from the US. I joined Woodlands because it was reciprocal with my club in Perth, Mount Lawley Golf Club. And they asked me, would I like to play pennant? And I kind of looked at them funny. I said, what? You yeah. want, I'm a pro. I can't play pennant. And they said, no, 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 pros are allowed. And I, I thought about it and I thought, is this going to be good or not? And I kind of, my, my first instinct was no, because I thought, well, I'm taking away a spot from mm. one of these young kids, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, they may come out and see me, but I've, I've finished playing. So. Yeah. Uh, plus I, the other thing I thought was I'm on a hiding to nothing because if I lose, I'll go, well, I beat the guy who beat Tiger twice. <laughs> but in, in, the long, in the long run, uh, I just thought, no, I'd rather someone else take that spot. And they, they're going to learn so much more about their game and the competitive aspect of playing match play and the team competition, the camaraderie, et cetera. Yeah. And, uh, and I can help the club in other ways. So that was my – and I'm, I'm, along, yeah. I'm, on, I'm there with you. Um, yeah. Although I think uh, – You would have been the, asked to come and talk to them before the season. Yeah, I've yeah. done that. I've, I've done a couple of I've chats. I've done that. It's great. Yeah, exactly. No worries. But not one extra person – or maybe, like I said, five people might turn up to watch the pros play. The experiment hasn't worked. Please, uh, Golf uh, Victoria, please go back to the way it was and let's reward kids who are practising hard. Mm-hmm. Now that, you know, the dust has settled on TPS Hunter Valley, what did you make of Lincoln Tye, who was leading the tournament by a couple after a birdie at 10, three putted 11 to lead by one, then snap hooked the tee shot on 12 into the thick trees? Well, we're in the commentary booth, so we can't actually see what's going on in there. However, from the angle we had from the camera, you couldn't see daylight. No. And Paul Gow, our, Gow. On, our on-course commentator, said he's got nothing, no absolutely nothing. Now, yeah. funnily enough, I just spoke to Jack Munro earlier today just about a couple of things, and I said to him, you were there, you were playing with Lincoln. Yeah. Uh, did you think there was any shots? He said, oh, I couldn't see this, the second shot. He says, but the third one, I was there when they found the ball. And he said, he's got nothing. He said, I have no idea how he got that golf ball out onto the green and made perhaps yeah. one of the greatest fives of all time. Jack said to me, he thought he could make a 10 here. That's what, you know, because it, it's going to ricochet around in the trees. It's going to drop where you're going to drop the next one, et cetera, et cetera. <sighs> he could have been in there for quite a while. Yeah, that's right. The first one, I couldn't believe it. It's the second one. I, that was the one I thought, no, please don't hit this shot. Because if he hits that shot... And it stays in. Well, I'm the reverse. See, the, the that, that that first one, I'm thinking, if that, this doesn't work out, he's got nowhere to drop it. Yep. Whereas the second one, you think, well, i got no other play now. I've just got to hit it. <laughs> but I, I was thinking at that stage, so I agree with that. I was thinking if he hits this and it, it goes into a spot that, were, that really, truly mm. is unplayable, he's got to go all the way back to where it first crossed the hazard line yeah. and play his one, two, three, fourth shot. Plus penalty. Plus penalty. Five, fifth shot. At least. I don't know. I've, I lost count at that stage. I think we're up to six or seven if he had to take a drop. It was one of the great yeah. brain explosions and I've ever seen, and he still had a chance to win. And I'll tell you what, Lincoln, if you happen to listen to this, all power to you because to recover from what you did at 12, the oh. way you must have been feeling inside the, after losing the playoff at the Vic tell you PGA, what. that was a mighty effort to, to hang in and get to a playoff. It certainly was. And, and the funny thing was because they didn't, win the tournament. They had to go Monday qualify for the New Zealand Open, which is on mm. this week. Now, guess what? Jack Munro shot seven under and got in. He won the qualifying. Lincoln Ty, unfortunately, he shot three under. He didn't get in. So they're going to have to, or he's going to have to wait another week. Uh, anyway, well done to Trials everybody. Tribulations of professional yeah, golf. Yeah, well, well done to everybody that tournament. And well done to uh, the PGA and WPGA for putting on the TPS events. They have been great. Okay, bad luck uh, for not getting into New Zealand, but uh, speaking about brain explosions, it is time for my <laughs> top five all-time 
golfer brain explosions. This could go anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> a bit like that second shot of Lincoln's. Oh, oh, buckle, <laughs> buckle yourself oh. in. Buckle yourself in. Number five. Okay. Let's go back to the lakes. John Daly mm. hit nine balls in a row, emptied his bag into one of the lakes during that week. I think it was an Australian Open. Um, just kept on going until he had no balls left, so that way he had to be disqualified <laughs> and then walked off the course and then his wife, I think, belted a, a cameraman <laughs> on the way out as well. Oh, in the ma- <laughs> and, and, well and, and probably had the matching outfit too, I yeah, assume. So. That must have been the 11th hole. Yep. That's my number five. Okay. Uh, number four. Sergio Garcia killing oh. snake after snake after snake and he spit in the hole at oh, one stage as, as say, well. I was going to say which which instance. Yeah, he spat in the hole and once he kicked his shoe off at Wentworth one year. <sighs> it's been some uh, interesting. Oh, that's just hard for me to comprehend that a grown man can carry on like that. I, I get John Daly. I get that one. Yeah, you're frustrated and you don't want to play anymore. Empty your bag. <laughs> I don't get Sergio doing all that stuff. Now, this one's got nothing to do with a golfer on a golf course, but it is a golfer who's lost his mind. Greg Norman, he's not the great white shark anymore. He's the great white nudist. And I, I just don't, I, I don't want to see this man. Uh, okay. I don't want to see this guy nude anymore. All right? he, but I'll tell you what, he does have a great rig. Well, they call him the hammerhead now, right? <laughs> the, rig, the rig is off the charts. Uh, this is more... Brain explosion on a golf course style. The entire US Ryder Cup team. Oh, yes. You know which one I'm talking about? Brookline. With, uh, Brook- Justin, Justin Leonard. Yeah, so Brook- Brookline. Justin Leonard is playing uh, uh, Jose Marie Alathabal. Mm-hmm. Hull's a monster. And the entire team, wives, players, coaches, everybody – Ran across yeah. <laughs> Sergio's line. Yeah, I remember that one. That was a tough one. Unbelievable. And, and Jose, yeah, he still had a putt to halve the hole. All right. And uh, I've got your bunny in my sights for number one. Oh, okay. Tiger Woods. When he got 25 people to move a boulder and claimed it was a loose impediment. That's out of the blue. Okay. I think that was done with the blessing of everybody. <laughs> everybody a- around. The- you, just, you can't. It's a loose impediment <laughs> means you pick it up like this. Yeah, but is that a blame implosion? You just asked the rules official. I mean, it was a big loose impediment, I'll say. It that. was a boulder, Nick. <laughs> it was a boulder. It was a beauty. And it got ticked off, which is a bigger blame. So that, That's as big a brain explosion I've ever seen. How have you not got Jean Vanderveld in there? Because I think he was very unlucky. Oh, come now, on. I played, I, played come the, on. I played the British Open that week, and I actually played with John Vanderbilt nine holes in the practice round. Can I, can I tell you this before we go any further? I yeah, missed yeah, the cut. I, I always knew I missed the cut. I, I actually led qualifying. I led qualifying oh. with, with two others, Michael Campbell, who I'm, went on to win a US Open. I missed qualifying. I'm glad I did after looking at the golf course. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking about that. So Michael Campbell uh, and a little amateur kid called Luke Donald who went on to be number one in the world. So it was, it was the three of us. Um, and here I am talking to you in a <laughs> bloody podcast. Uh, I went straight there. My caddy came from the States. Um, and away we went and walked onto this tee. John Vanderbilt used to play a lot of golf in Australia and seen him for ages. He goes, come on, let's go play nine. We've played nine holes. And honestly, mate, my caddy and I were laughing at him. My, most people laughed at my game, all right? <laughs> most people laughed at the way I hit the ball. 
we were laughing at him. That's how bad he was hitting the ball. Really? Anyway, so we, we missed the cut. I went and got drunk for two days. <laughs> for two days. <laughs> for two days, my caddy and I, we had a great time around Scotland. Maybe you should have got drunk before you <laughs> <Yeah>. teed off. <laughs> I played like I was drunk. Anyway, we, we, we finally sober up. We, we turned the telly on. Um, British Open comes on. They show the leaderboard. And Vanderbilt was leading by five. Mm. And we're looking at each other going, what? That is impossible. How on earth is this guy leading by five? He hit it like a dog on Tuesday. And you said he got unlucky. Yes. Now, I'm going to get to this bit. So okay. I'm going to cut to this bit. That week, the ball was running. It wasn't the rough. It was – you couldn't slow the ball down. You'd hit – at once they had a 275-yard run out on one of the dog legs, and we hit six iron off the tee. It wasn't even windy to stop the ball. The ball just wouldn't slow down. It just would not stop. So when he hit the ball right off the tee with the four-shot lead on the 72nd hole – And it bounced over the burn – no, I didn't get to that. I'll get to that tick. Yes, yeah, that's right. We're best over the bird. But where he – if he was going to hit a wedge to lay up, it was really narrow and bouncy. So there was no guarantee he could hit a wedge and land it. So he looked down there and he said, if I hit it in that grandstand, I'm going to drop it right next to the green. All he had to do in that point was not go left, which was out of bounds, and hit it over the grand, uh, into the grandstand, over the berm and into the grandstand. And that's exactly what he did. <laughs> I get it, but however, if you can't chip a wedge on. 60 <laughs> metres onto the fairway, we're not talking about a green, we're talking about a fairway, well, something is wrong. So what it hit, it hit this. I it know hit a well it... thing. It bounced backwards, <laughs> bounced on the rocks, and then bounced. Uh, I think he was unlucky. That's what I think. Can you remember what Craig Perry said to him? No. Because Craig Perry was playing with him. Yep, I know. He so held a bunker shot. That's right. Craig Perry should have won that, the way he was going. Anyway, his ball was kind of only an inch below the water. Yeah. And Perry walked up to him and, you know, the, the famous shot, he's just looking at the ball. And Perry's walked up and he goes, hey, the title go out in about three hours. You might have to play it then. <laughs> That's what he said. <laughs> so it's time for our segment, Nick. Uh, tweets to the editor. Or messages to the editor, wherever you are we on TikTok these days? I think we are. Yeah, tweets, TikTok. letters, emails, whatever. We're everywhere. Thank this, you. This could be good. Uh, this one's from Iron Man Pete. Um, when's the nine-hole YouTube match play happening between you two? <laughs> so I want this done as soon as possible because I know you crook. I know you <laughs> so I, I can hardly I, hit the ball because of my we wrist. Should, uh, we, I think we should get this organised next week. I'm happy to do it on the Kingston Heath short course because I know you, you know, that I, hey, I won't take full advantage of your injury. I'd be happy to play the short course. Yeah, okay. Well, let's let's get it going. It might be a good one. Uh, now, this one's from Stephen Roach. G'day, Roachie. Uh, what are the positives you both see in live and what steps could help the them coexist with the PGA Tour. Listening to so many podcasts that she's only take one angle is really frustrating. It would be great to see you guys rise above and give some balance, especially with Grange ahead. Not a bad question. Um, what, are, what are the positives with Liv? The positives with Liv. Well, yeah. there, there, there's a lot of money going into the professional golfer's pockets, so I'll say that is a positive. Uh, there's very much a positive with the Australia event coming up in Adelaide. Yeah, I mean, big. sold out. We're going to get to see... A lot of players that we haven't seen before down here. That's mm. going to be awesome. I actually quite like the team aspect of it, playing for a team. However, I don't think that's going to fit in well in the long run as far as world rankings and all that sort of thing yeah. because that's then a team event. So they're kind yeah. of my positives at the moment. Have you got any? No, I, I, they're the positives that I see also. But mm-hmm. just for general drama, 
I just think the PGA Tour has just got that much more. You know, if that cold kid wins this week, he gets into the Masters. There's so many things along the way that add to the week. Who makes the cut? Who misses the cut? They qualify. You know, the guy who, mm. the, who finished fourth this week, he was a Monday qualifier, for goodness sakes. Even though the best players weren't there this week, there's more than just who wins the money on the PGA Tour. Yeah, it was kind of the more interesting storyline, I think, uh, between mm. the two. And the thing about Liv is they pick weeks where it's a weaker PGA Tour field, like a yeah. my, uh, sorry, like a Honda, which is fine. But um, as it turned out, the storyline's worked out very well for the PGA Tour. Uh, Jack Johnson. Now, Jack Johnson wants a top 10 golf trip public golf courses from us at some stage. Well, first of all, Jack, you don't listen to the show because we only do top fives around these <laughs> So, well, 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 can we put that on the list for Jack Johnson? Maybe he's on, on tour singing. Is it that Jack Johnson? No, no, okay. that's not. No, that's not him. Could maybe could you do a top five next week of what do you want? Best PGA Tour venues that punters can play on. Top okay, five. Oh, that's the top be five. A, that'll be a tough one. That might be all right to find. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, and a lot of feedback, by the way, on whether pros should play, and, and one of them was from Ryan Ruffles. So Ryan Ruffles got into the oh, good Ryan. about the pennant. About the pennant golf. Gave me a great chance to meet some of the younger lads too, who I could hopefully help out a little bit. The first bit of that tweet was that uh, he really enjoyed going back uh, and playing uh, where he played pennant. Uh, even though it was just for one week. So that was great. Good on you, and thanks for Ryan for getting involved. That's fantastic. Hey, Mark, here's one I've got from a review on Apple Podcasts. Well, we're right kind on. of blowing our own horn here. This is good. I only listen to two episodes, but I like the format, and the guys even respond to tweets and questions, which is great. That's what we're doing That's now. That's what we're doing. Yeah. wasn't a fan of the live bashing, as I'm a live and PGA fan. Keep up the entertainment, boys. Oh, no. Did we bash? I'm not sure we bashed them. I no. think we said we preferred the other one. Maybe. Yeah. I don't think we bashed them. But anyway, we we, we appreciate that. Hey, uh, Apple Podcasts, we've got a lot of uh, five-star ratings. Mm. Someone gave us a two-star rating. Oh, well. Have you ever given a two-star rating? I mean, if you don't like us, it's just give us one five, star, right, mate. Yeah. <laughs> what, are you, what are you doing? <laughs> Who gives a two-star rating? I understand fours and fives yep. and ones. Mm-hmm. Two or a three, I mean. Can you, that's whoever strange. that was, if you listened again this week, go back and give us a one. I'm a champion! Okay, every week we do a masterclass of what we've seen happen mm. over the weekend. Mark, what is it this week? Well, I'm kind of stepping on your toes here. I'm stepping yeah. into your territory, uh, short game sort of stuff, so... I, I didn't get your approval. I know you did it beforehand. Uh, <laughs> That's okay. What what I saw uh, from last week's golf was some of the best wedge play and some of the worst wedge play I've seen in in the heat of battle. We saw Jack Munro hit a seventy eight meter wedge, lob wedge, some kind of wedge from the middle of the fairway over the back, and he was out of the tournament from that point forward. Uh, and some of the other stuff uh, around the greens was beautiful. Uh, a lot of people who don't practice all the time, they always want to know how to develop their touch. Now, I was told uh, when, when I went to college in America, there was a guy over there called Steve Long. I got over there and I was a 73, 74 shooter, which wasn't too bad if you came from Australia. You were actually considered reasonable if you shot 72s and 73s. I got over there, that wasn't reasonable. And Steve Long identified that it was my short game. And what he told me was that uh, you don't try and hit the ball you don't try and judge how hard to hit the ball. You try and judge how long your backswing is to fit the shot. 
And I started doing that. So I started forgetting completely about how hard I shoot the shot and just tried to match my backswing length to the distance I wanted the ball to go. And that changed everything in a minute. I, I couldn't believe how easy it was to do. Um, and it didn't matter whether it was a lob shot or a low chip. You only need the tiniest little bit of imagination and a little bit of field. The most important thing is hit the ball out of the middle of the club face. But if you're having trouble with your game around the greens, touch-wise, half wedges, chipping, bunker shots, whatever it be, start focusing on the length of backswing and try and match that to the shot you've got and you watch what happens. I love it. Oh, thank you. Oh, very good. That, you, that could use that for, you could use that for putting as well. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. It's sort of what you did last <laughs> week. <laughs> Not quite. And as usual, I've done the video, Nick, and it only took one take, by the way. Uh, and, <laughs> and it's up uh, on all our socials as soon as uh, uh, our podcast drops. So will the video. I'll look forward to checking out the action. Right, that'll do us. Uh, I think we've gone a little bit over time, but uh, good fun talking about golf with you, Nick. It really is. Don't forget, we've got a little bit of bonus material. As promised, Wade Ormsby will join us in our bonus very, very soon. All right. Cheers, guys. See you, mate. That's been Nick O'Hearn and Mark Allen's brand-new podcast, Talk Birdie to Me, live from the Australian Golf Centre home of the PGA of Australia and Golf Australia. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram and now TikTok. And don't forget to send us a message or a comment on anything you've heard or want the boys to discuss. And if you can share the podcast with your friends who are in a golf, well, that'd be great too. Talk Birdie to Me's executive producer is Dan Bradley at Kaizen Media. Sound design by Daryl Misson at loudzebra.com. Hey, by the way, have you uh, finished full swing yet? Yeah, I um, saw the last one, Roy McIlroy. Yep. What do you think? He's got lots of cash. <laughs> <laughs> I can't stop watching the cash. And thing. he lives in Jupiter. <laughs> Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.